Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This is the second part of my conversation with Hamid Samavi. In this part, we discuss various aspects of property development. For example, how the integration of sustainable technologies affects development feasibility, or how RSE manages the myriad of risks that come with managing the entire process of development. We also touch on a new upcoming platform that Hamid is working on, in which investors can take part in a sustainable RSE development. I hope you enjoy it. So on the topic of sustainability, what I'm interested in is it's often looked at as a do minimum sort of thing. Like I need to get my development over the line. So I need to check this box to get my minimum sustainability requirements. On the other hand, you are looking at putting in some quite advanced measures. Yes. How does that affect your feasibility on the project? How do you make sure that that you can deliver it while also making it a part of your business? Sure. We have a team in Northrop, a sustainable team doing all the ratings and all the measures for sustainability. We are aiming to get eight stars for the new development that we are doing in Coronola, which is above and beyond. And then obviously that's going to have an effect on the feasibility and the finance of the project. So I have the architecture team and the construction team working with the sustainable team uh, so obviously the architecture team implements those ideas into the architecture and then the construction team works on the budgeting of those elements. And then we make decision, obviously it, ha- it has to be balanced and we have to be able to absorb it. But running these simultaneously helps us making decisions at the same time. But if, if you design something, it's the most sustainable project. When you get to construction, you realize well, it's too expensive, I can't build it, that's not good. So that's why you have to run your feasibility study and cost control while you're designing this. And that helps us understanding the whole process. Obviously, we have to spend more, but we understand, okay, in this project, we are spending 10%, 15%, 20% more, but we are getting star rating for, for the sustainability, which is good. So, But you also develop the knowledge which you can more efficiently implement into the next project. Exactly, exactly. That's the idea. It's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're able to deliver a product to the market, which is of a comparable, I guess, price range, but it's a much more advanced building. Yes. So what I'm wondering is from a, a consumer point of view, if I was to be researching such a property, how do you get the knowledge out to the market that something like this is coming about and what you should be looking at? Sure. That's why we have our own sales team, because if I just get a real estate agent, obviously they do not understand this and they do not convey the message to the buyers. So the whole idea is we are exactly the same as the market price. We are not more expensive, but we offer a lot of features, sustainable features, And over time, we save money. So you would have less electric bills, less water bills, less gas bills, and that will help you repay your loan faster, more money into your pocket. So it's common sense that you would buy something like this and 
obviously it, it would help our business to move on quicker and do more sustainable building. The implementation of sustainability measures. So is it a philosophy that you pursue out of your own interest or is it something that is more market driven these days? I don't think it is market driven at all because you see all these developers, they're building and they're selling. So they're, they're not really forced to do something sustainable. But my idea is while you make money, you have to make an impact as well. You see the, the whole global warming and how it's getting worse every year. We have to start taking action. And the best way is creating a development, basically, that is self-sustainable and it's contributing towards that environmental impact. I think it's going to be a better marketing for us as well. Yes, that's true. But the main goal was making an impact and showing everyone that, yes, you can do this in a better way. Do you find that people that are keen on purchasing property, do they come to you and ask whether you implement sustainable measures or do you find the public is at all educated about the extent to which sustainability can be implemented into a development project? Like, do they know what to look for? I think the product doesn't exist out there. So when they realize that we are doing something, they get really excited. And when they ask about the price and we tell them it's the same price, they get more excited. So my understanding is in the future, we will have queues of people wanting to buy these properties. Yeah. Just moving on to other sections of the, I realize we actually got into architecture and construction quite a sure. bit. Now there's also an investment portion of the company yes. that enables you to be a part of the development journey. Sure. Are you able to put some more context around? Sure. Obviously when I started doing bigger developments, I had investors on board and it gave me the opportunity of doing bigger developments and bringing economy of a scale in and that helps me spending money on research and the sustainable features and all of that. So we thought, why not get everyone involved? If sustainability is good, we can get everyone involved. So we put together a fund management, which is sort of like a stock market for real estate and everyone can invest there. So imagine if you are a mom and dad, or if, if you're an investor and you have a property for yourself and you want to buy another property, Instead of just buying a house and waiting for the market to pick up, it might pick up, it might not, you get into a development. And we do have the expertise. We do the development on your behalf. So while you're owning a property and if the property goes up, obviously you make money, you also gain the benefit of the profit of the development itself. And that gives us opportunity of going bigger and doing more sustainable properties, so it's a win-win situation for everyone. Is it something that's still in development at the moment? Yes. You're working on the structure. It's a bit complicated. Australian regulation is very complicated. So I have a few lawyers working on the structure to obviously get in, into a point that it's the right structure for everyone. The main part is the property itself has to be security of that fund. So how to connect them and all of that is a bit of work. And you want to make sure that... The people that invest in you are able to have, I guess, security. Absolutely. It, it has to be. So the first thing that I asked my lawyer is if I wanted to invest into something like this myself, what would my lawyer concerns be? So we have to think of everything and it has to be in a way that the people who get into these investment developments, they have enough security to, to cover them. Yeah. And the trust that yes. whatever's being done is transparent. And exactly. Yeah. 
Now, I'd like to just step aside from the business itself and talk about how throughout this process you manage the risks, how you manage to be able to give your business some longevity. You have to juggle market risk, you have to juggle development risk, you have to juggle, I guess, approvals risk as well. So what do you do to enable you to manage these risks? I guess I take all the risks at once. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, given, for example, if we start with approvals risk, You've got a very complex and difficult planning system yes. in, in New South Wales. So how do you make sure that you allow for that and to manage that risk? I had 100% success rate into our development applications. Before buying a property, we do a, a full-on study on every single regulation that you can think of. Heritage, asbestos, contamination, trees. And we designed the building actually before buying the building. So when we buy the site, obviously we take that further, but when we present that to council, we show that we are doing something better for that context. So it's very important because obviously planners, they always look at what value you're adding to the area as well. You're not just doing another building. So that helps a lot with providing more features, better design, sustainable features, and yeah, that helps in our favor. Do you find the relationship with council is collaborative? Not always. Not always. <laughs> Sometimes we have to go to court and talk there. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's been my experience more than a, a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Standard phrases, 42 well, days. What, what I find uh, frustrating is when, when I lodge an application to council, we usually deal with juniors and we don't really get to talk to the decision maker and what we have to do we have to lodge the application to court and then go through the process and then we get to see the person who actually makes decisions then we, we sit around the table and say okay what do you expect <laughs> and then we can come to, a, to an agreement at that point in time which is rather frustrating because you've got to go through the whole process exactly getting to court which yeah. is often unnecessary i think uh, council is is understaffed and they don't have enough resources for the amount of applications that they get what, what helps us with lodging the applications to court is uh, setting a time that yes by this time we can get our approval we can get an answer and so the management of things like development and market risk you know, obviously because you're implementing or you're pioneering other measures, you know, they're not just bog standard buildings or and apartments that you're sure. putting together. So how do you make sure that you manage those risks such that your developments are successful? Sure. I think uh, another important factor is location. So we just develop in premium areas where people appreciate the, the quality, people appreciate features, sustainability. I'm not saying they don't, at West, but usually developers, they can't afford putting those features in because of the price point. But we usually work in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, South Coronola, and also northern beaches, Manly, Mossman, those areas. If we spend more money, we know that we will get it back because we have people who appreciate that sort of quality. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's a finite market, the eastern suburbs or like the eastern beaches and obviously where the money is is where the opportunity is. But it'd be interesting to see how it can get implemented looking further. I guess it has to be bigger developments. So another risk factor that we have is obviously having a lot of small developments rather than doing just one big one. So I do a lot of 10 units, 7 units, 15 units here and there, and that helps us sort of diversify the portfolio. 
And also it's easier to sell in tough markets because uh, when you have a boutique development, it's very easy to, to sell. But imagine if you have 200, 300 units and the market goes down, that's a big risk. It's a hard one. Yeah. yeah. Plus you're also implementing features into a select building with only a few people that are exposed to it, which is, I guess, something that's easier to manage. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So in terms of business decisions, the sustainable side of things is obviously a very big portion of what you do. And it's been something that's worked out always working out quite successfully. Have there been other pursuits that haven't sort of worked out for the better? Not really. Whatever we did was towards improving the business. Another area that we touched on was importing building materials from overseas, especially from Europe. So some materials here are so expensive that a developer technically cannot afford it. So if you want to use natural marble in the kitchen, if you're doing a house, it's fine. You can absorb the cost. But if you're doing 25 units, it's just not feasible, right? So what we do, we go overseas, we find the best quality products and we import it ourselves. Again, we bring the cost down and we cut another overhead, <laughs> but we, we are able to deliver a better product at the same price. What else do you have a look at? So you've got, oh, you do everything. <laughs> Designs, <laughs> do construction, sales, marketing, importing. Well, I have to tell you the area that we are working on, obviously we're working on that investment entity and also we are working on developing a few software, management software and a safety control software and all of that for our development sites. So that's something that gets us excited as well. Can you talk a bit more about what that is? You know, the project management software is, is very expensive and we do a lot of projects. And at the point I thought, why not we develop it ourselves? So. <laughs> to get to where you've been today, yeah. you've obviously done a, a lot of steps. Oh, you've taken a lot of steps in the right direction. So what are some of the rules that you live your business by and you live your business life by? I think you have to get into something that is your passion. That's the most important thing. And you, you have to take the first step quickly. You have to jump into it. There are no good times for it, right? You have to just jump into it, right? And if it's your passion, you, you make it work. If you want to just make money, it's not good enough. But if you want to make an impact or if you want to solve a problem, provide a solution, and if it's something that, that is your passion, you're going to make it work no matter what. Just on that point of there's never a good time, what was going on in, actually, this is something that would go back to the early days. What was going on in your life at that point in time where you decided to start developing your working full-time? Well, I have to tell you, it was worse time for me because I was on bridging visa, right? So bridging visa is sort of like you're illegal in this country. So I went to the auction and I bought the property and I went to my lawyer, here you go, I bought the property and he was like, you cannot buy a property. Why did you do this? And I was like, well, you're a lawyer, you have to solve it. Yeah. So yeah, we had to do a few entities and all of that, but technically I could not buy a property at the time. I was on bridging visa. Then I went to the bank and I was like, well, yes, I want a loan. And they were like, you're kidding. <laughs> And bridging visa, you cannot get loans. So I had to go to a few friends and put money together and all of that. It was, it was tough. And yeah, I bought it, you know, but you see people, they wait to buy a property for years and years and years and they never uh, get in. Yeah, they never get yeah. in. It's a bit yeah. of a close call. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any other stories where you've made these kinds? Of, that's a very sort of, I'd like to say it's got a bit of gutso in it. Right. Yeah. 
Well, I'm a risk taker, right? If you do business, you have to take risk. And if you want to play it safe, it never works. So whatever we do is a bit of risk. And that's how you make things happen. You know, you have to take the risk and then you make it happen. It's a bit of confidence that you have to build over time. And also it's a bit of problem solving sort of expertise that you have to build on. Do you find that with the risks that are involved in development, do you find that with your expertise, you're able to see exactly what's unfolding or are you constantly surprised about what comes up? Oh, I think not at this stage. Yes. uh, Initially, when I started in, in different countries and especially in Australia, everything is a strange, right? But not now. How I mitigated the risk was starting very small to just understand the process and sort of not jumping high. So by doing one house and me living in that house myself, obviously I didn't have to pay rent and I put that money into the development. And that was a house that I, I can tell you it was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's hard when you start, but yeah, over time you understand what you should do. So now it's gotten to the point where there's very little in terms of surprise. Yes. Yeah. If I can just end on one particular point now, What would be the single most important thing, your bit of advice that you would give to someone who's looking at getting into development? The most important part is you should not overstretch yourself. You should not put yourself in a position that you have financial pressure, but you have to start no matter what. It could be in Newcastle or Blue Mountains or Kayama or whatever. You have to start from somewhere, right? And then throughout the process, you understand the process, you you get better. You have more finance to dedicate to development, but you have to start no matter what. Don't wait for it. Don't wait for the market to go down and you buy the cheapest property because that's not going to happen. Yeah. You just got to make a, yeah. gotta make a start yeah. Yeah. and do it quickly. Do it quickly. <laughs> I mean, thank you so much for your insights and experience. It's been very enlightening. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. This is the end of my conversation with Hamid Samavi. I hope you've enjoyed listening to his business journey, but also his fascination with the integration of advanced sustainable measures within his development projects. I personally think it's great to see developers pushing these boundaries and doing so on their own accord, not because they're being mandated to by laws and regulations, but because they see value in innovation, in pushing the limits of their projects and in minimizing the impact that their building has on the environment. If you're a potential buyer, there's value in beginning to ask these questions about the place you choose to purchase in. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd very much appreciate a star review on the platform you are listening in on. It takes all of a second to do so. Equally, if you know of someone who would find this content interesting, please feel free to share it with them. It's always great to get new listeners on board. That's it for me for now. Thanks for listening in. I hope you've enjoyed yourself and I'll catch you next month. Bye for now.